Hallelujah. Where's all the Hurricane Ian survivors at? Where, where y'all at? Where y'all at? Can you take a moment and just find three people and tell them, I'm glad you made it out. I'm glad you made it out. I'm glad you made it out. I know, you, I know your Jordans got all wet, but you made it out. Take a moment. Stay standing for a second. I just want to sing this prayer for all of us today. And just Sometimes there's songs that you could just pray, right? Or you could pray songs. And this is an oldie. You may not know it, but this is one of those that sometimes just gets me there when I'm not there. You ever had that happen? Right? You're not there, but you need a song to get you there. And so this one goes like this. It's not going to be the one we did earlier. This one's, this is, I love you, Lord. And I lift my voice to worship you, oh, my soul. Rejoice, take joy, my King. it once let's sing it all together come on and I love you Lord and I lift my voice and I lift my voice to worship you to worship you oh my soul rejoice Joy, my King. In what you hear. In what you hear. And let it be a sweet, sweet sound in your ears. Come on, somebody, just give praise in this place and thank Jesus. Thank Jesus. He's been too good for you to stay quiet. He's been too good for you to stay with your mouth closed and your hands down. Come on, lift up your voice. We worship you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Amen, amen. You may be seated in the house of God. One of the things I love about the Lord's Prayer, which we just sang, um, is, you know, when it talks about, you know, our Father, it's talking about Jesus being inclusive and inviting us to know who his Father is. But then you keep on reading in that chapter, it says that it is as a man that went to a door and knocked and says, give me bread for my friends. In other words, we first pray and we say, Lord, give us this day our daily bread, right? And we ask God to feed us. But a true church of the kingdom is a church that says, feed me, but please feed my friends too, right? And that's what I love about new birth. You're really kingdom-minded. Uh, I want to just uh, quickly just say this. Because of 
your partnership. Because we get to do this together, today 465,000 children have been fed. Today. Today. Every single day, 465,000 children are being fed. By the year 2030, our goal is to feed a million children a day. And our goal is to feed one generation so that the next generation can learn how to feed themselves. Right? Uh, and because of you, uh, 34,000 women are being empowered to start their own businesses and come out of sex trafficking. Yeah. Because of you, 23,000 farmers are being trained to not just receive food, but to learn how to farm it and raise it. Um, and lastly, 65 disasters that we responded to because of the local church and churches like New Birth. I want to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being the church that thinks about not only yourselves, but thinking about others. Give yourselves an applause today. Come on. All right. All right, we're going to go into the word, but I just want to, uh, uh, my wife is here, and we've been together for now, uh, married now, uh, 20 uh, three years, but I've known her since I was 11 years old, and um, she was my first and only girlfriend. She turned me down the first time because I had, I had not gone through puberty yet, but once that mustache came in, boy, yeah, she, 15 years old, she was like, ooh, yeah, and, um, and so ever since then, we've been together. Mimi, say hi to everybody. Yeah, so... All right, so um, let's go into the Word of God. The book of Daniel. I invite you to the book of Daniel, chapter 3. We're going to look at verses 14, 17 through 19. So verse 14, and then we're going to skip over to verses 17 through 19. And when you have it, you can say, I have it. I have it or I got it. Pray for us. We're leaving right after this. We're going on a plane back to Springfield and um, heading back home. We're still adjusting to all of this. But I believe God brought us here with a word for new birth today. In fact, we were praying about being here for a couple of weeks. And this is one of those words that um, I believe it's not, it's not one of those, well, I believe God's in it. But it's not going to be one of those like, man, that is shaking you off your seat. It may be. I don't know. It may be. But it's one of those that's setting you up for something else. It's a setup for something else. I just want to tell that to someone because you're in a season right now where nothing makes sense. But the fire is getting you ready for what God is going to do in the next platform of your life. Okay. And so Daniel chapter 3 verses 14, 17 through 19. If you have it, say, I got it. By the way, I'm, I'm, I'm born and raised Pentecostal. So I don't mind if you holler at me. <clears throat> if you want to throw your shoe up to the stage, you could do that as well. No, don't do that. But if you holler back at me, I, I preach better. And um, so just know that I'm going I'm to I'm I'm get loud if you don't mind that. Uh, Daniel chapter 3, verses 14, 17 through 19. Everybody say, you, if you have it, say, I got it. And it reads like this. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar, Subban, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God in which we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from the, your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude towards them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual. I'd like to preach today out of the theme, Through the Fire. 
through the fire. Tell somebody, through the fire. Through the fire. Father, we give you this time. Use me as your vessel to bring what you want your people to hear. Let it not be my voice and what I prepared, but allow it to be what you have from your throne room for your people. Lord, we want to leave this place better than how we came, transform, restore, bring back the pieces together so that we can be exactly what you called us to be. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Tell your neighbor again, through the fire. Amen. I want to preach today this message through the fire because I believe there's people here that are going through process. There are things that you have confused as a work of the enemy when it may just be the strategy of God to get you ready for a new level of destiny. I believe that even the storm that we just went through in Central Florida has tested the faith of many people in this room. And you have even thought that God left you or God abandoned you. But it has only showed you that God is still with you even stronger than ever. In fact, through all of it, he is showing you that he is your provider, but he's also your shepherd. That will take you through the waters, but he'll also take you to green pastures in which you're in right now to receive his word. You may be here today and you may be saying, I'm moving back to wherever you came from. But God brought you here to remind you, you have nowhere to go but through the fire. And I believe what Pastor John shared this morning uh, as he was saying about doors may just be a confirmation of what God wants to say through this word today. That you may be walking through hallways looking for another way out, but you really need to be looking for the door that God's hand is on. You never want to be on the side of a door where God is not on it. You always want to be on the side of the door where God is standing right there with you. If doors have closed and God is not next to you, that just may be the wrong door. But thankfully to God, we can thank God that God is walking us through the fire. God is walking us through the rivers of life. God is walking us through the waters. And you will not drown. In fact, he's going to take you to further so that people can see who he is. Amen. I'm a movie buff. I love movies. In fact, right now I'm in the process of building a movie theater in my house because my kids are gone. That's what empty nesters do. It's a new season. And I'm building a, a movie theater upstairs in the house. And, um, and, and I love movies. I grew up watching movies. And before there was uh, Netflix, there was something. Some of you are, are old enough to know this. There was a place called Blockbuster. Yeah. Blockbuster. And for those that know what, blo- what Blockbuster is, Blockbuster was a place where you would get these, these square plastic things um, that you would put into this machine. And this machine would then play uh, onto this big thing. It was a big cube called a, a television. Um, and and it, it, you would go to these places called Blockbuster and spend about two hours looking for a movie. Uh, and then if there was a Little Caesars next door, you'd pick up some pizza. Or maybe some Chinese. I just don't know. Either one was good for the night. Um, for some of you, maybe it's not. Maybe it's not Blockbuster, but it's Netflix where you now you sit at your house and You spend two hours looking for a movie and still don't decide what you're going to watch. But there's movies that that stick with you because of certain lines in the movies, right? You can think about movies now and you you know the lines in them and you're reminded of them. One of them for me is uh, the animation of Lion King. The first one. The first one, not the new one. The first one. It just was weird to see like real animals trying to speak. It was... I couldn't get used to that. But when the animation, the first one, I love because uh, you have Mufasa speaking to Simba. And he says, Simba. 
remember who you are. Right? You remember that, right? Yeah. It's, one, it's my favorite movie of all time, actually. It's my favorite animation. So, so Simba, remember who you are. There's another one, the first Spider-Man, like 90s, uh, 2000 Spider-Man. What's his name? Toby McGuire. Like, he cried ugly, but he was good. But in that movie, his uncle comes out and says, with great power comes what? Great responsibility. Give yourselves an applause. Y'all know it. Then there's an older movie for those, uh, for the boomers in the house, um, uh, a boxer from Philadelphia. Rocky. I mean, he's all beat up. The, 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 I mean, they didn't have CG, so the makeup is real bad. Like, his eyes are closed. And at the end of the movie, he's just, like, crying, Adrian! Right? Like, you remember those moments in the movie. And then Titanic. Titanic. I think it's on Netflix right now. You're gonna have to skip a certain season. When I was uh, a scene, when I was uh, when I was growing up, I told, I could I wasn't allowed to go to the movies uh, for whatever reason. I just super legalistic. It was crazy. Don't ask me. We could talk about it during coffee. But um, but I told my parents I need to see it. It's a historic movie. I have to go see it. And so we saw it. And the scene that I remember the most of that movie was uh, when Rose is on a floating on a floating door. And, and Leonardo DiCaprio wants to get on board, and she's, like, just looking at him. And, and, and I will never let go. <laughs> and he's like, come back. He's like, like, literally, he's just drowning. Come back. Like, pick him up, bro. Like, like get him out of the water. What are you doing saying come back? It's just parts of movies you remember. But I think more important than movies, I think it's those moments in life where adversity hits and commitment is compromised. And those moments in life where certain lines will never be forgotten. I'm reminded of World War II. And I'm reminded of a Winston Churchill where he stood up and he said, we will never, ever, ever, ever give up. And, and it made the country just rise up when he said that. Right? It's what people say when great adversity happens. I'm, I'm reminded of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Right? In the moments of great adversity, he, he was able to stand up in Washington, D.C. and say, I have a dream that the white man and the black man will be able to walk together. Right? And he was able to say this with great courage in moments of great adversity. I'm reminded of our Lord Jesus Christ. That on the cross of Calvary, it wasn't the nails that held him up, but his love for every single one of us. Where he said, it is finished. To tell us that the account is closed. I have paid the price for every single one of us. It's in those moments where many times we can say, I hope, I hope somebody does something. I hope somebody says something. I hope a people rise up. But if the reality is this, sometimes it's not a people that have to rise up. Sometimes it is you that has to rise up. It is you that have to speak into the atmosphere and say exactly what the atmosphere and the family and the church needs to hear. Because it is leaders and great people that can say great things in great adversity that will make life change happen. That's what we see with these three Hebrew boys. They're chosen by the king to be officials in Babylon. A, a, a different culture of what they were used to. And they're brought to this place and then they're set up in this, in this place and now worship this idol. And while everybody else is getting ready to bow down to the music and the beat is about to hit, they decide they're going to stay standing. They decide that they're not going to bow down. They, they decide that they're going to go against the current. 
They decide that they're going to they're gonna, they're gonna be the awkward ones that look weird while everybody else is doing what everyone else is doing. And you've heard this story. You know all about it. But they say certain things that I think it calls to our attention. And first off, I want to say this, if this was a movie, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, like I'd, I'd set it up. I'm not a movie director, but I'd set it up with the, these three guys having like a certain character, one of them being like the real Christian guy. Like Christianese guy, like he's like the guy that you're walking with. Everybody has that friend, right? Like he prays everywhere he goes. Like you go to Starbucks and he's going to pray for his coffee. I'm like, bro, it's coffee. <laughs> and he just speaks, he, like he has the lingo, like he has all the church lingo. But and then you got this other guy, he's like, he's in between, right? So Shadrach is that guy, he's the Christian guy. And then um, Meshach is like, he's in between. He's like still trying to figure this thing out. Uh, Abednego, though, like, this guy will cut you, right? And the reality is that all three, they all love God, but they love God differently. And let me just say this one more thing. We all love God, but we all have our versions of God. I don't have time for that sermon, but the reality is the God you serve looks different than the God I serve. Because we love the God that we can understand through our formation in which we grew up in. So therefore, it is harder for some people to receive what you have received because they're trying to understand the God they know through the formation they have received. Um, so you growing up in the South Bronx, you see God a certain way than the guy that grew up in Kissimmee, Florida. Because we are all trying to understand this God that is multi-form in his grace but still good enough for us to receive. And so, so, so these guys are trying to figure it all out. These guys are trying to understand what's going on. But, but, but they say these statements that I believe we can resonate with because the first thing that they say to the king is that God can save us. And how many know that God can do something for you? We've seen him do it. We know that God can. In fact, we know the power of our God. We know the identity of God. We know that he is omnipotent. We know that he's omniscient. We know that he's omnipresent. That means that we know that he knows all things, that he's in all places. And we know that he's all powerful. In fact, he just breathed and he created the stars in the galaxy. That's how great our God is. Literally, he just, Yahweh. And just simply just breathed. And let me just give this a little agnito. Sometimes people, when people tell you they don't believe in God, tell them to breathe. Because what they don't know is every time they breathe, they are saying, God. The Hebrew word of Yahweh is literally breath of God. Yahweh. When God would simply create the stars in the galaxy, he was saying his name and through saying his name, he created things. That's how great our God. He can create the stars. He can create the galaxies. He formed you in your mother's womb before you even knew you were going to be created. And he chose you to be a prophet to the nations. God can do it. He knows every hair on your head if you still have some. Literally, he knows, he, can, he knows every hair on your head. God can. His arm has not been cut off from saving you. That's important for you to know because people may leave you. Things may leave you. But God will never leave you. God is there to raise you up when you have fallen. God is there to lift you up when people have left you. God is there to bring you back when you have ran away from him. He's there to embrace you with open arms because God can save you. The second thing that they say is 
God will save us. God can save us. God will save us. See, he's not just able to do it. He's willing to save us. Amen. In other words, he wants to do it. It's in his nature to help us. It is in his nature to save us. In fact, Jesus means savior. It is in his nature to, to, to stand in the gap for every single one of us. God will save us. Hebrews 11 tells us, now faith is what we hope for being sure of what we do not see. In fact, I want to tell you today that Satan will not, will not attack your faith. He's looking to attack your hope. See, Satan has faith enough to know God because he's seen him. He knows that you know who God is because you believe in him. But what he's coming after is your hope. The hope to know that God will do something. You ever been there where you're asking yourself, man, am I ever going to get out of this? Man, is this, is this season ever going to end? Is this loneliness ever going to end? Is this job ever going to finish? Am I ever going to get into the job I really came to Florida to work at? Is school ever going to stop changing the curriculum so I can finally graduate? <laughs> that, that resonated. <laughs> God will save us. So God can, but God will. It's good to have an assurance to know that God is willing to be there for me. That God is willing to help you. He's, 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 he wants to do it. But I believe the dopest statement out of all of them is the one I'm going to tell you. They say God can save us. God will save us. But and then they say, but even if. Even if he doesn't, we still won't bow down. I believe that there's some even if faith people in the room here today. I believe there's some even if people here. In other words, you're the, you're the re resilient ones that say, if I know God can get me out of this. I know God will get me out of this. But even if he doesn't, I still am going to praise him for who he is. That even if faith changes the relationship with God from being transactional to being relational. See, transactional God, you seek his hand. You worship him for what he's done. Oh, but relational God is like, God, if you don't do anything else for me, you've done just enough for me to still show up at new birth and lift up my hands. Even though my power is still not out, even though my cell phone is all wet, even though my Jordan's got all messed up, I'm still going to worship him. Even in faith. God is calling a church and God is calling a generation that will not simply worship him first on circumstance. But in the middle of an adversity, we'll be able to stand up for a generation and for a city and for a community and say we still won't bow down to what the enemy's saying. We still won't bow down to the sound of music. We still won't bow down because God's called us for something greater. God, has, God wants to call up even if people. How do you behave? How do you behave when God doesn't behave the way you expected him to? What is your posture when God doesn't do something the way you thought he was going to do it? I can think of these three Hebrew boys. 
They're expecting an angel to show up. They're expecting God to bring down walls. They're expecting for a fire to come down and just burn Nebuchadnezzar's statue. But none of that happens. What happens is that they have to go through the fire. In certain moments of your life, God is asking you to live with commitment. And I want to say this, and I say this with love. What is commitment? Commitment is to continue to do what you said you would do after the feeling is gone. Yeah, commitment. It's, it's what you do in marriage after, after the, 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 the many things have changed and things don't look the same. Commitment is that one thing you keep on doing because you said you were going to do it when you first got married. Commitment is that thing that you said when you first took next steps and you said you were going to be a leader and you were going to volunteer. And then when planning center hits and they ask you to volunteer and you say you can't do it because you don't feel like it. Commitment still says I'm going to do it even though I don't. I want to I wanna Reese's Pieces for that one later. <laughs> Commitment is one of those things that when you're driven and when you're chosen, when you're anointed by God, you will not bow down when life hits you hard. You're only going to stand stronger knowing who your God is. And God is calling for committed people. God's calling for a committed church. God's calling for a people. I love the fact that public schools has opened. I, I love the fact that, that, that public schools opened as shelters. I love that all these places. I was watching the news from Jacksonville. And then when I came to Orlando, I've been watching the news with what's happened in Puerto Rico. I love, I, I, I've been watching how, how community has come together. But I, I, I long to see the church. I long to see the church rise up and allow themselves to say, even if I don't understand things, I'm going to be there to help people. I think New Birth is one of those churches. I don't think, I know that New Birth is one of those churches that you're not just looking for you, you're looking for others. You're understanding that today is for them and next day is for me. And as long as we do this together, we're going to be able to grow into the family that God has called us to be. God wants you to have even if faith. You know, what, what is even if faith? Even if faith, even if faith is, is that even though I don't, get, I don't have the job, I'm still going to worship. Even if faith is, 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 even though I didn't get approved for that loan, I'm still going to worship. And even if faith is, even though, I, even though I don't understand the process and the season I'm in and the relationships, it may be broken and I don't know if he's ever coming back or she's ever coming back, but I'm still going to worship. Even faith is, is, is one of those things that even though you haven't seen him as your healer, you're still believing him that he can still heal you and he can make you whole. God is calling for a people that can live with even if faith. I think it's what separates those people that look to know God for what they can do for him or what, what God can do for you. And then those that just love him for who he is. Even if faith, I will not bow down. Don't let your posture change because of your circumstance. Yeah, you, it, it, that's important. I think we need to learn how to walk with our head up high. You know, our, one of the things we teach people is like, and we teach our sons, raise your head up. Put your shoulders back. You are son of the most high God. Your posture tells people where you stand. You're not a victim, you're a victor. Things are not happening to you, they're happening for you. Come on, I need some, I need some. this is not motivational speak. This is just who we are in Christ Jesus. We are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. When your posture changes, people watch you. People follow you. People are looking to see what your next move is. 
So three things I want to share with you, and then we, I'll let you guys go. And it's about commitment. What do you do when, when commitment is challenged in the most trying of circumstances in life? The first thing you need to do is you have to learn how to sit with others. You have to learn how to sit with others. One of the things that the enemy will try to convince you of is to isolate yourself. It's to get you to, to get away from everyone. To go ghost on texts. <laughs> to allow the three little bubbles to start and then you never respond. Believe me, it's a real thing when you can, when you start feeling the pressures of life and anxiety begins to hit you and you really just want to get away from everybody. It's, it's one of those things that really does happen. But can I tell you this, that nothing is better than you surrounding yourself with people, not just people, the right people. Because there's people that will, will raise you up and there's people that will drown you out. And God wants you to surround yourself with the multitude of wisdom around you to get you to where you need to go. So you need to learn how to sit with the right people. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego sat with the right people. They, they were, they were, they were they, the, from chapter 1 to verse chapter 3, you see them always together. You never see where the one was separate from the other one. They were always walking together. I believe that every David needs a Jonathan. I believe that every Moses needs a Joshua and an Aaron. I believe that every Paul needs a Timothy and a Philemon. I believe that every Jesus needs a, needs a Peter, James, and John. We have to learn how to walk with people. That's what I want to tell the church. I, I congratulate you for coming here today. But we need to encourage the ones that have trouble showing up here and remind them that we become prey to the enemy when we walk alone. We got to congregate. There's something that happens when we are together that can never happen when we're watching on a screen. There's something that happens in a room when the anointing begins to flow and the Holy Spirit begins to move that you can never receive watching on your iPad or watching on your phone. There's a tangible move of the Spirit that will never transmit through electronics. It only transmits when you feel it, when it's happening at the moment. See, you could do, you could do a, a virtual reality roller coaster, but it will never be the same as actually being on one. The goosebumps and the feeling of actually going through the motions. There's something that happens when you worship with the right people. And in a good church, that you will go through the motions, you will go from the valley, you will go to the mountain, and you will see God living in your life. You got to sit with others. Next thing, you got to stand for something. People... People respect and people know when you stand for something. If you, if you, if you, if if you live a life where you stand, uh, if you don't stand for something, you fall for anything. We gotta have values in our life where we de declare. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not taking that with a grain of salt. I'm, I'm standing up for that. I'm not gonna allow culture to change my views of who God is. I'm standing up for that. I'm standing up for what God said we should stand up for. I believe God wants to raise a generation that will just stand and stand in the gap for others and be the bridge so that others can get through. You know, many times we'll, we talk about standing in the gap and we're talking about, man, I just want to stand in the gap. I want to be there to help people. That means you're a bridge. And I often say this, if you're a bridge, you got to let people walk over you. See, the bridge never gets credit. Hey, 
All, all I know is that I was in Brooklyn, and all of a sudden, my I got, I got to my hand. But, but, but the Washington Bridge never gets the credit. Brooklyn Bridge never gets the credit. I just say I got from here to there. God wants to raise up some bridge people that may never be looked at by man, but God sees you. God knows you. God saw you. Stand. And then lastly, you got to learn how to walk through anything. We got to learn how to walk through anything. The Bible tells us in verse 23, it tells us that they were thrown into the furnace and they were tied up. Take time to read it. They, they were thrown in and they were tied up. And if they were thrown in, I'm sure they were on the ground. And they weren't thrown in by just anybody. They were thrown by, by, by Nebuchadnezzar's strongest soldiers. Which means this, that the enemy is so intimidated by you that he's going to send his strongest soldiers. He's going to bring his strongest warriors, his strongest demons because he knows the anointing that's over your life. And so he'll, he'll bring the strongest against you because God's, he knows the potential of what you can become. See, Satan doesn't know your future, but he knows your potential. He's been doing this for so long that when he sees something good, he says, uh-oh, that guy's going somewhere. Uh-oh, that girl's going somewhere. So let me get in front of them before they get any further. Let me try to stop them. Let me try to hinder their growth. So they were thrown. But when Nebuchadnezzar opens his eyes and looks inside the furnace, he says, I see them, and they're walking around. And they're loose, and they're walking around. And the fourth one looks like the Son of God. So my question is, if they were thrown and if they were bound, who got in the fire with them? And who loosened them and lifted them back up? See, I love our God because God will not only get in the fire with us, God will loosen us from the chains of the enemy. God will lift us up and bring us back up to our standard. And then he'll say, let's walk this thing out. Let's walk this thing out. It doesn't make sense right now, but I'm going to learn how to walk this thing out. I don't know if we're ever going to get out of this, but I'm going to learn how to walk this thing out. I don't know if I'll ever get out of this fire, but I'm going to walk this thing out. I need some people that can stand up and walk, walk this thing out. Come on, walk it out. Walk out your faith. Walk out your faith. Walk out your faith. We need some people that can learn how to walk out their faith. I believe you're here. Sometimes you just, it may not make sense, but get up in the middle of the night when you can't sleep and just walk, walk it out. Walk it out, walk it out, walk it out, walk it out. Are we getting out of this? I don't know, but we're going to walk it out. All I know is walking with me. All I know is he's walking with me. He's a present help in your time of need. Where God's presence is, you can be sure that there's a fullness of what? Of joy. See, God is with you through the fire. Because the fire is making you what God called you to be. Let me say it this way, and I'll finish. Anything valuable that is worth anything has gone through enough fire to now be able to be in displays worthy of being presented. Anything counterfeit breaks easy. I, I, I don't want to come against your fake Louis Vuitton, but
but give it time and those zippers will break. Give it time, that wallet will, will, all the threads will just start falling apart. Because, because anything that is a counterfeit doesn't last. But whatever's authentic, not only lasts, but it has a warranty. You see, it's worth something because if it breaks, you can take it back to the manufacturer. And you can say, I bought this six months ago and something's wrong with it. You need to do something about it. The good thing is that when God does something through you and you go through brokenness, you can always go back to him. You can always go back to him. You can always go back to him. Don't need the manufacturer. So I want to tell you this. Though I walk through the valley of shadow and death, I will fear no evil. Your rod and your staff will come for me. Isaiah the prophet says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, you will not, it will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Lastly, don't let your Babylon change your identity. You may not be where you want to be, but you are where God wants you. And Babylon, even though it was a season for the people of God, they would later on return back to their land. But while they were there, Babylon changed their names. And while they were there, they, Babylon tried to identify them what, by what they wanted. But I could just imagine the, the three Hebrew boys. You see, see, Shadrach wasn't Shadrach's real name. Shadrach's real name was Hananiah. Hananiah in Hebrew means the Lord is gracious. A Meshach was a Babylonian name, but his real name was Mishael. That's for anybody looking to have a kid, that's a good name, Mishael. Which means, who is like God? And then Abednego, I think that's, that's the guy who cut you, remember? Abednego. Abednego, his real name was Azariah, which means the Lord helps. So I could just imagine these three in the fire. And they're probably, you know, God hasn't shown up yet. But I could just imagine Abednego telling Shadrach, Yo, Shadrach, remember your name is not Shadrach, bro. Remember your name is Hananiah, which means the Lord is gracious. Your, the Lord will be gracious with us. The Lord will be gracious with us, Hananiah. And then I could think of Meshach looking at Abednego and saying, Abednego, remember that the Lord helps. <laughs> And then I could look at Abednego and Shadrach looking at Meshach and saying, your name is Mishael, which means who is like God. Come on, I wonder if there's anybody that can say, who is like my God? Who is like my God? Come on, stand up in this place. I'm finished. With everyone standing, with everyone standing, I finish and I say this. When I was young in ministry and I was young as a pastor's kid, there was a passage of the Bible that would always scare me. And the passage that would scare me was that God is love, but he's also consuming fire. I would say, well, how is it that he is love, but he's also a consuming fire? That's scary to me. Like, I don't want to serve a God that, like, is a consuming fire. But, but later on, when I grew up a little bit, I learned that his love, because he loves you, he wants to burn out whatever is not of you. So sometimes the fire is simply the process to burn out so 
burn out all those things that are not the identity of Christ within you. And the fire you may be going through is preparing you for a greater platform in your life. And I believe that from the bottom of my heart because 1 Peter 5.10, the apostle Peter is now older. He's not that industrial fisherman. He's now speaking to a church going through great persecution. I mean, people are dying for the gospel. And he says to them, and after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore you, that's for somebody in this place, confirm you, strengthen you, and establish you. These are all four things of God putting you in a higher level of his glory because you are willing to go through the fire. Father God, I thank you for the people in this room. I thank you for those that are watching. Lord, I thank you for the courage of every single one of them to stand in the midst of the adversity they're going through, but to believe you, God, that you will stand in the fire with them, and more importantly, walk the thing out. That they're going to walk out their faith with even if faith to see you do miraculously, to do, to do immeasurably more than they could think or imagine, because that's the kind of God you are. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.